Hello, everybody, and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Casey Muratori. I'm Anna Redberg. And today's movie is one of the only Christmas movies that I actually like <laughs> to kick off to kick off Christmas month. I didn't pick it. You handle the movie picking as do uh and as do the members. Yeah. But I don't really I don't really like you know manipulate the rankings. I don't I don't try to go in there and monkey around with it. <laughs> so I was delighted that Die Hard is the lead off movie for this month because it means we can start Christmas month on like a movie that I'm I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people are like, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. And then a lot of people are like, no, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I know I mean, it's like a debated thing. But... So th- there can be no debate that it is a Christmas I know, movie. It is. The The climax, uh, the, well, I don't know if you want to call it the climax of the film, but I guess I would say in an action movie, this is what you would traditionally call the climax of the film, involves Christmas wrapping tape. For Christ's yes. sake. So many important moments in this yes. movie. Like, you know, when he sends the body down the elevator and it's like, I have a machine gun. Ho, 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 ho. ho. Yeah. There's so much Christmas stuff in this. Yeah. And no, the entire reason he's even there is because of a Christmas well, party. Well, and even the right? music, they've got Beethoven Ninth. Beethoven's Ninth, yes. like Ode to Ode Joy to or whatever, joy. which is often kind of like associated with, with Christmas. Um, when they open the safe, it's treated like a Christmas like and yeah. one of the guys I think says Merry Christmas, yeah, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. No, it's throughout the whole And they movie. talk about a Christmas miracle for getting the thing shut down, right? Like there's yeah, yeah. there's so much stuff that's <laughs> Christmassy. I don't know how you could ever think this wasn't a Christmas movie, except for the fact that it's good. That's probably why people don't think it's a Christmas yeah. movie because they're like, no, Christmas movies are supposed to be crappy. Yeah. No, this movie is great. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's a it's just like a near perfect action movie, I would say. Maybe a perfect action movie. I would agree. There's a couple little nitpicks, I think, but on the whole, when you look at this compared to any other action movie, really, mm-hmm. it's absolutely remarkable. Like how just how much action and yeah. intrigue they get out of almost nothing, like. It's basically just some guys with, like, some C4 and a rocket launcher and machine guns in a building Mm -hmm. is the entirety of what they have to work with. And they manage to make it, like, so incredibly clever and, you know, tense. And you never, if you haven't seen this movie before, you'd never guess all how they would get so many interesting scenes out of barely anything. So they, it's... Honestly, to me, it's it's a masterpiece of using everything. Mm-hmm. The analogy that I think of when I watch Die Hard in a screenwriting sense, like the the actual writing of Die Hard, and of course, I'm sure a lot of the credit goes to the book here. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read the book because I didn't even know there was a book till after I saw Die Hard oh, a yeah, couple yeah. times, I think. It would be fun to go read it and see. Yeah, because action, you know... Action in a book versus action in a movie are two very different things. Which is also why I think that a lot of it probably comes from the book, because action in a movie tends to rely on visual things. Mm -hmm. But in a book, you have to be more clever, right? Yes. You have to be more... Well, you also have to be very clear and, like, descriptive and and come up with interesting unique visual, like, mentally visual kind of It can't just be like he punched him... A lot. Right, right. Like, I think <laughs> right. of all the different, like, right. locations within this building that they end up 
you know, in the elevator and the different types of like offices and the stairwells and the roof and like all of this stuff. And the clarity sort of in the directing, you always know what's going on. You always know where characters are. I mean, I thought of the scene where he he goes up the elevator to the top of the elevator and then he, you know, there's an interaction he has with some of those guys. And then he goes back to where he was before. And you've seen it before and they were like explicit, like, you know, they showed the different like the little doors he goes through and stuff. So you you knew exactly where he was, that he had gone back. You understood that he was at a dead end because you knew it was the elevator shaft. Like all of that stuff uh, really matters. And it in an action movie. And it comes together to to really create this this awesome experience where you don't feel disoriented and you don't feel confused and you understand like you understand why when he gets to that back to the elevator shaft that he's trapped and that the only way he has to go is like down right right because they've like established earlier that that's what the location is right the analogy that I was going to say before was I remember watching I think it was. There was like a Quentin Tarantino re-release of Iron Monkey Mm -hmm. where there were some bonus footages that they had on Mm -hmm. there and they had an interview with Donnie Yen. And he was talking about Yuan Wu-Ping, who is the choreographer for like most things that you've seen that have martial arts like The Matrix or whatever. And he was talking about what makes it so interesting, like working with him or why his stuff is so interesting. And he was saying that like... He would integrate, like, everything into the choreography. Like, if you're doing a sequence, you'd be like, oh, can we use, like, there's, like, a pen on the desk. And, like, could you, like, grab the pen and then do this thing with that? And, like, they they were, like, incorporating all of this stuff into the, which made it just much more interesting and dynamic. And this movie feels like the script version of that. It's, like, everything that's in the room or that's in the, like, scene Mm -hmm. They're figuring out ways to bring that stuff in and make, like, interesting, tense moments out of it instead of it's just like, well, he's going to crawl through a vent. Yeah. So then he does. Yeah. It's like, no, we thought about, like, okay, like, where's that going to go and what he's going to have to do and how are the guys going to, like, try to get him out of there and, like, you know, all this sort of stuff. Well, and I love the the scene where they break the glass windows yep. so that he has to walk in his bare feet because Hans has seen him previously yeah, yeah. with bare feet so he had time to realize that he couldn't walk across it right yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. there's stuff like that throughout I mean the thing you mentioned before with the tape right like the, yes. he tapes the gun to his back yes um, or the fact that he has to use the gun to get down the shaft, elevator shaft so that he doesn't to, have a machine so gun so that he anymore. loses his gun yeah. yeah so it's like the first thing I thought very early in this movie was just momentum like Right off yeah. the bat, this and you know, to be honest, even before the action starts, this movie has a great setup. It does like a really nice job of the introduction you, to this movie is absolutely beautiful. It's so good. Yes. Like it it establishes so clearly and so with such little amount of time who the character is, right? Like who this guy is, who his wife is, what their relationship is, all like pretty effortlessly, right? It is uh it's great. So the thing that I think is so remarkable about the opening of this film is that it's doing something. First of all, it's doing a great job as as was de rigueur in 80s movies. We kind of talked about this before. Mm-hmm. In 80s movies, it was well understood as far as I can tell from watching them anyway. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't understood and this was accidental, but I don't see how. They were at least doing it 
like habitually. Yeah. When you start off a movie, you introduce who the characters are. You don't do that anymore. We don't in movies nowadays. There's no uh, a character just says what it is. Like you know, if you're watching a Disney movie, it'll just be like, "I have terrible fear." Or something. Yeah. I'm this, and They'll this is my it, thing. Right? There's yeah. no establishing yeah. of that. That does it does not get established in a movie anymore. It's just assumed that the character will tell you their problem, and then we just assume that they have it. They won't bother to try and think of an introduction that like actually shows that. In eighties movies, they always had an introduction that actually shows that. You know, if you're watching Terminator, you will see that she is a waitress who isn't very yeah. good at her job or whatever. You'll see that scene will be there in the movie. So that they don't have to, she doesn't have to tell you that, right? Right. So this movie is doing that. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And I love it. I think it's a crucial part of a blockbuster kind of film to yes. have this, these moments. They don't have to be brilliant, but they're in there. They're in Hunt for October even, right? Sure. Like, they're doing that. And almost every single one of them is actually double duty. This is so freaking impressive if you go back yes. and watch this. So first off... He's, like, nervous about flying, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to fly, which is kind of important because he hasn't seen his family much. So this is kind of – it's a big deal that he's getting on a plane to see them, right? This right. is This is in, interesting information that's important character-wise for this right, right. character. And this guy is like, you know, the, the secret to flying is, is you just got to, you know, do this thing with your toes, right? Mm-hmm. And, you're, and he's like – all right. And then he's like, wait, you've got a gun. He sees it. And he's like, yeah, I'm a cop. And they, and they have that little exchange. Like, I've been doing it for 11 years. They even had like a little like, mm-hmm. you know, been flying for nine, but for 11. Right. So they've got the banter. It feels natural. You get all this information. He's yep. a cop. He doesn't but doesn't really like flying. He has a gun. Right. Then it turns out that's double duty because the reason he doesn't have shoes on later for the glass scene is because that guy told him to to scrunch his toes in the carpet. That's why his shoes are off. <laughs> right? Yeah. Then we get, we, this just keeps happening. It happens over and over. If you watch all the intro stuff, they're double duty almost every time. So he goes into the office. He notices uh, uh, th- that, that on the screen. Yeah. Right? This, this, is, uh, this is one of the, the most noticeable moments of like, yes, this is good. Is like, she doesn't have she his doesn't name. She doesn't have his last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, they're using that to establish that there's tension. They're still married, but like she didn't use his last name. That's yeah, because it, it it helps. That's like the perfect example of the conflict that in their relationship, exactly. right? Is like he she... wants it to be traditional. She doesn't. Yeah, yeah right? exactly, exactly. And and like she she wants to be the breadwinner or is okay with being the breadwinner. He's not. Yeah. Well, she wasn't willing to sacrifice that for him. Yes, and and taking a man's last name is a very traditional thing to do. Yes. So it's like also that, right? Um, and so when, uh, you see this and it, and he, it's, it's on the door as well. And they mm-hmm. have a little bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, that they're using that, uh, not taking the last name as a great way of like, it's like a catalyst creating, for, yeah. yes, creating the conflict, showing the conflict without having to take a lot of time to do so. But also that's why she puts the picture the down, picture down yeah. right? Which, Which I, makes perfect sense. I was she also going to say, I love that cut too. Uh, yes. That's a great. Just the editing is fantastic, right? She has the, the phone call, and then yes. she uh, flips the photo down, and it and it cuts, and it's just like 
It's a great cut. It's a great moment. Yes. And it, and it sticks in your head, which is good because it's important later. Yes. And then you find out that actually, no, all of that was also double duty because since she doesn't have the same last name, after Hans figures out what his name is, right, right. he can't connect the two right, of them. Right, right, right. And she's put the photo down. So well, he and, can't see it. And initially it doesn't matter because he doesn't yeah. know what he looks like. But yes. then later on, he yes. does know what he looks like. It's so amazingly well done yeah I mean, and this is like constant and and like the situations are constantly evolving and changing too right? like the dynamics between the different groups and the different characters like they're learning new things and they're doing different things and it's like it's always changing there's such a good momentum to it where it never lets up and it never gets tedious because it's always just moving forward so I mean, one problem with this movie is, you know, I don't know how much there really is to talk about as a result because it's just like, look, what you need to know about this movie is it's more or less flawless version of that, what I just said about those parts Mm -hmm. for two hours and 15 minutes, which is nuts that they managed to do that. And and the other thing is like, that's a fairly long runtime and this movie flies by. It flies by. It just, you're totally in it and engaged with it. This movie really shows what's important about this kind of movie and like yes. why you want to do these things well. Um, and I think you're talking about the the writing is super important and and having these unique, interesting ways of mess like playing with the environment and having characters have to constantly have these like hurdles that they're having to deal with. Yes, you've talked about this before. I think it was a Hitchcock thing, but the villain needs to have obstacles, right? Absolutely. And the, this is a great example yes. of that where there's constantly, you know, everybody's got uh, obstacles, right? Good guys got obstacles. Uh, bad guys got obstacles. I would add one thing to okay. that, though, too, which is that it's in this movie, it's more than just obstacles, which is what's so really great about it. Mm-hmm. It's a full functioning system. Every single person in this film, it's like they figured out what that person is doing and why at all times. So it's like not yeah. just giving the villain, like if you go watch a Hitchcock film, like Strangers on a Train, yeah, the villain encounters obstacles and that's great, but it's not this entire game of like, oh, every move of every person is like plotted out perfectly. Right, right. In this movie, it's like every single thing that one of the the characters does, mm-hmm. other characters respond to well, it. Well, and even the fa- even like the henchman has a motivation. Like Absolutely. one of the brother his brother gets killed and he now has a really strong motivation to kill uh yes. Bruce Willis's character. Yes. Which becomes very important because this movie has one of those things where two dudes, like, fight for a while. Right, right. And, like, normally in movies, they just do. Like, there's no reason for it. They just, like, they wanted to have an extended fight, so they do. In Die Hard, they're like, no, the reason this guy has an extended fight scene is he really wants to, like, beat the crap out of Bruce Willis physically. He doesn't just want to shoot him and kill him. He doesn't just want to shoot him. He wants to, like, make him suffer. Yes. Uh, And so... Even that, even the most stereotypical part of Die Hard, they took the time to explain mm-hmm. why it would happen rather than just having it happen. Yep. On top of all the other things we've talked about with the writing and the the sort of like construction of the scenes, that's really good. I would also say the practical effects, the fact that this mm. movie feels so tangibly really real does. at all times yeah, yeah, yeah. is so important to like why this works like everything is real as far as i can tell there's you know but from the sets and the broken glass and the explosions and the elevator shafts and the helicopters and like all of it is so grounded and real and gritty and for me anyway that's something that we don't 
like, because we don't ever see that anymore. Yes, it's true. Like I had the thought while watching this movie where I was just like, ah, like the sigh <laughs> of relief, like, oh, I forgot. Like this is this is a movie. Like right, this right, is a right, movie. Right, right. And it's something that we've sort of lost. And it's not to say that you have to always have all practical effects or something, but like when you lose that tangibility, you you lose something huge. Especially in a movie like this where it's played so close to the wire, like Yes, you couldn't really do the stuff that's in this movie because right. it's like some right. of the 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 thing the feats literal feats <laughs> um and feats would be, you know, too difficult for any human to really maybe a human could pull off one of them but certainly not 10 of these in a row. Yes. Um but other than they're all like on the edge of plausibility, nobody needs superhuman strength to do the things that they're doing. They're just a little bit harder than a human could do. Yes. Right? But they're not absurd. So yeah. when you're walking that line, you're you're trying to make it feel as if a human really was, like a regular guy, um, just in good shape, mm-hmm. was actually doing this. Like, because each thing is kind of that way. Like, you watch him use the gun to, like, brace himself to go right, down. Right, right. And, like, kind of just barely catch the ledge. They're all meant to feel real, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you had a lot of like obvious special effects stuff in there that you could tell what it was mm-hmm, that it was, mm-hmm. it would feel too slick or too weird. So the the practicalness of it and the feeling like everything's very realistic mm-hmm. is pretty important to yeah, having this and work. It makes it really immersive because yes. there's no moments. Especially since it's what's from the eighties, eighty eight. I think it was if they if they had even tried to do any like weird green screen or oh, anything, yeah, yeah. it would have. Well, the end when Hans falls, and you can kind of tell. Y- yes, yeah, although even about, about that, it, no, even I, that is pretty. That's pretty well done. It is. I, so I don't know what parts um, are what, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think they use that kind of thing so minimally, and and when they do, like the example you just gave, I feel like. I guess, yes, it's noticeable, but I think it's actually really well done. The focus is on the character's face and his expression, and the movement of him falling is really natural because he, they did film him actually falling, right? Yes. Just not that high. And so it's like, yeah, there might be little weird edges around him, but like, I think it actually works all right because yeah. the things that you're supposed to be focusing on are are working. Yeah. But you know, like the scene where he jumps off the roof with the yeah. with the uh, the fire hose tied yeah. around him. Like, if you could imagine that he, you know, the explosion behind him was like fake or on a green screen or whatever, yeah. like that would look so cheap, and it just yeah. doesn't. It looks so epic. They really knew what they were doing. Like yeah. they they hit all the seams when the building blows up. The floor, you know, there's a floor of the building that blows up. I don't know how they did that. That a was model, insane. Yeah. Maybe uh, like a scale model or something. But they look remarkably convincing. Yeah. Uh, this movie has a real epic feeling to it. Like the and stakes they, and they feel no so high. And they had no real CG capabilities in these days. I mean, mm-hmm. you could do stuff with computer graphics, but you weren't going to make a realistic looking explosion with computer graphics, really. Mm-hmm. You could comp, maybe you could do the compositing but somehow they did it with probably it's, with scale models, I'm guessing. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting to look, but it all just feels it's seamless. That, it's it that does. good old-fashioned movie magic where you it don't is. really know how they did it you and don't. it just feels real and you don't question it. You yeah. don't. Yeah. So who knows how they got the explosions in there. Some of them, I'm sure, were just set explosions. They actually exploded. Yeah. But other ones, like, you're like, ah, well, they probably didn't blow up. Some Sometimes they do. Like in Terminator 2, mm-hmm. they actually found a building that was going to get demoed. And they mm-hmm, actually blow mm-hmm, it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think you can find them talking about how, like, they really got to get this take because it's like... They got one they shot, yeah. They one. Uh, and then they'll have to build a model if they don't. 
But, you know, a tower like that almost never gets torn down. Not something that looks like that tower stays. They're not going to. No. So I don't think they would have been able to do anything real with it uh, in that respect. So I assume they had to build a scale model, but you didn't notice. At least I didn't notice. And yeah, I mean, you could go through and you could talk about all the scenes that were great. But, you know, if you've watched the movie, you kind of know, right? (laughs) So one of the things that I think is really great. Um, that's kind of a meta comment on sure. the, on there is just uh, the characters themselves yeah. are very interesting. Yeah. So I think Hans and uh, and John McClane, mm-hmm. Hans Gruber and John McClane, uh, and the cop outside yep. on the the one who buys all these donuts, yeah. uh, not donuts, <laughs> uh, Twinkies at yep. the beginning. Uh, and he's like he's he's like a fat guy, right? Yep. And he's got all these Twinkies, and he's like having a you know like an exchange. Just like everyone gets an intro in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Halfway through the movie, well, this guy comes ca- in. Everybody gets a character. Like everybody is everybody is is somebody is a character. He has this like monologue. He talks about how he shot a kid, and now he can't. You know, he he has to do a desk job now because he can't really like trust himself. He because he won't pull. A gun, which he does at the yeah, end. He, gets, he, he even, even gets a little gets arc. Like an arc, yeah. Because when they're taking the other guy out of the building, mm-hmm. he like grabs someone's machine gun. Um. So anyway, the the characters in this are just really good. The fight between him and his wife is great. It fe- it's well written. It feels natural. Yeah. The the it's it's like they got a real emotion in there in this middle of this action movie where no one's expecting you to do that. They are able to go from zero to 60 in a fight with his wife and then back out again. And it feels so right. The the flare up of their tempers. Yes. It's like they're falling back into an old habit of arguing with each other. Yeah. yeah. Which feels so realistic. Yeah, because it's like when they first they first see each other, they're like. They're nice. They're nervous. They're happy. Yeah. They're excited. And then and then it quickly devolves back into the thing that's the reason that there was tension in the first and place. And then right? when she gets called back. He immediately is like upset with himself. Yeah. So you can tell it's a habit. It's mm-hmm. like he didn't want it to go that yeah, way. He but... came with the intention of not having yes. it go that way. Yeah, exactly. And it's so amazing because you're like, you know, modern dramas don't do this right, and you're getting this in an action movie. And like, and the, if you just if you added up like the minutes for these scenes, it'd be really short. Yes, but it, it's it's just so well done. It's remarkable, mm-hmm. absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Um, which well, and is, they've even you know they even down with the with the cops and that whole situation. They they have come up with their own little like interpersonal conflict situation, right? That yes. makes those scenes really funny and interesting, yes. right? Where it's like. The higher up cop, he comes in and yes. he's trying to lead the thing, but yeah. he's incompetent and he doesn't yeah. get it. And then like the FBI guys come in and it's this whole other level. And it's like, so it makes those scenes really fun to watch rather than just sort of like, here's what the cops are doing now, right? Yes, because there's actual interpersonal stuff exactly. happening and the FBI guys add another layer to that. Right, right. Um, um, and you have this, this, the, I love the line where it's like, just like Saigon. And he's like, I've since junior high, dickhead. <laughs> they like, they bothered to give every last person yeah. a personality. Even these two guys in a chopper, we never see again because yeah. they blow up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's just so, so well done. And I think I'm, I'm actually really glad it's a Christmas movie because it gives you an excuse to watch it like every year, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just a great movie. So uh, some other things about this that I think are pretty interesting. So if you watch what Hans Gruber is doing through the entire movie, mm-hmm. um, they play him, like I said, not just like a villain with obstacles, but like basically just another protagonist. 
Yes. And I think this is absolutely he's really likable. He's he's likable. You uh you always see what he is doing. So in other I guess the way I would say it is a lot of times probably because they don't have very many good ideas. Like this movie is filled with great ideas, great little ideas for how things will play out and mm-hmm. what's going to be interesting about yeah. them. Because I, I would say they didn't have to worry about that because they just had so many great ideas to play with here. They never need to rely on surprise at all. Yeah. They never need to surprise the audience because every idea they have uh, is interesting and new and keeps – it's just they've got so many to mm-hmm. pull from mm-hmm. that they don't have to be like, oh, where's Hans Gruber or where's John McClane? It's right. like, no, we get to see them the entire time. And what's so great about this is you – get to see Hans Gruber working everything out himself. Like, he's like, oh, crap, there's a guy, like, broadcasting from the building, and then he's like, and then he's like, oh, wait a minute, if he's trying to broadcast, Mm -hmm. he probably went to the roof, because that's where you'd first think to go if you were trying to broadcast out the widest range. That's where a person would think, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll get up on the roof, get out of, like, walls, like, Mm -hmm, and stuff, mm -hmm. and get up there. So he's like, send someone to check on that. Right. Yeah, that kind of stuff is constantly happening. Well, it ends the film. up giving it the feeling of like a game, like a game yes. of chess, because it's like somebody does something, and then the other person reacts and does something, and then the other person has yes. to react and does something. It feels a lot like the Hunt for Red October in that um, respect. For yeah. example, where they decide to show like two sides of a thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. It's but in this one, it's more interesting to me because in Hunt for Red October, it's only the Sean Connery is only the uh, the villain. When you don't realize he's actually until you realize he's actually because yeah, he's actually not they're not he's actually really, just two protagonists they're not working against they're each not, other yeah. whereas in this movie they are working against each exactly. other exactly so I think this one kind of stands somewhat alone in that I can't think of another movie that does it this in this much detail almost treating him as two protagonists even though one of them's the villain well, he ends up being one of the most memorable movie characters too like Hans Gruber is a classic oh, movie absolutely. character absolutely um, and yeah. and it's because of that. Yes. Not, and also a fantastic performance. Alan Rickman is is, is so like perfectly cast in this. He looks great. He looks villainous. Um, I do think Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis. Uh-huh. You got to hand it to the casting department yeah. for picking those two guys and yeah. getting them. Yeah, on Bruce board. Willis is absolutely fantastic. It's exactly in this. who you want. Yep. So I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of things, other things to talk about with the movie, and I'm not sure. Uh, I think the, there's there was like a a scene near the end where. And I think it was it felt more like a time saving thing where like so like John McClane jumps down with the fire hose breaks shoots the window yeah. breaks through and then suddenly he's just down on the floor with the you know the I don't know 30th floor I think it was the, the floor with the where the party was happening. And it's like it just jumps there really quickly, and I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Because, oh, you would have liked to see him follow him out. Yeah, it was just a little or... bit abrupt, but it also isn't that confusing because you know, like, okay, he probably just like went down the stairwell, I guess, or something, because the elevators are still not really working. Or he was on that floor. Or it was the, uh, magically was the floor it was just on, happened yeah. to be on the floor. But anyway, that was one scene where I was like, okay, I guess we're here now. So maybe some landmarking, some better it, landmarking. Yeah, would and have it helped. wasn't that bad because. You're like, okay, well, he's. I know he's back in the building. It's probably not that yeah. hard to get down there. That was like, because this, the movie had been so good about that in all the other aspects where you always knew, like, where people were. That was, like, one moment that stood out where I was like, it felt like they had maybe just omitted some, 
you know, maybe you could have a one scene of him like running down a stairwell or something. Do you know what I mean? Or yes. something like that. Uh, rather than him, suddenly he's just appeared there and you're like a little bit, just took a moment to be like, oh, yeah. okay, we're here. Yeah. It could also have been an edit. Like, it could have been, it an, might edit. been an edit for time where there was supposed to be something. I don't know. So you could be also picking up on something I that just, actually I think it stood out they to didn't me. cover. It stood out to me just because the movie otherwise doesn't. It's fairly it continuous. It never does yeah. that. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. having that jump of location was a little bit jarring, I guess, for me. So there, And there's one other thing, I guess, too, that I found a little bit confusing like motivation character okay, motivation yeah, wise yeah, yeah. the guy who's like doing coke or whatever in her office yeah later on he goes to negotiate with hans gruber yes to me it's a little unclear what his actual reasoning for that was it seems okay is he maybe trying to protect her because he's trying to make it seem like he is john's friend when no, he's i think not. he's just trying to get out of is the that because is he yeah. so it's is it literally just because I couldn't quite understand. I'm like, does he really think that he's just going to be able to get out of this? Is it because he's a doofus? Yes, I think so. Okay, that was my read he, of it Why anyway. is he lying about being John's good friend? Like, what what does he think he, that will gain him? Like, he said he invited John to the party. To me, it almost felt like he was trying to deflect attention away from the woman. Like, he was trying yeah, to make it point. seem... He was trying to make it seem like he was the reason John was at the party so they wouldn't hurt his wife. That was sort of what I was like, oh, is this why he's doing it? Yeah, you know what? I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point because it doesn't seem like he would have any real reason for doing that he, he specifically. Walks, he walks into the office and starts this thing all by himself. It's He, he could have just kept sitting there. If it was about saving himself, that was like the dumbest thing he could have done. Um, the only thing I could think was that maybe he was trying to protect her. I, I don't know. It, as I say, like it's a little bit that whole situation was a little bit confusing to me. Because he clearly was, like, motivated enough to go yeah, I put guess himself I, at risk. I can see why he would have done that to, like, maybe try to, like, give him up by, like, saying that the, the other lady was his wife or something. But if he was just being straight up an asshole, selfish asshole about it. But but no, he does to, the opposite. He, he does the opposite. He, he, he tries to make it be like, oh, John, I invited you to the party. Like, you're my friend. We've known and each yeah, other for why years. why would he say that? Because... The okay, so it makes perfect sense why he would say that if he was in cahoots with John, but he's not. So, like, in fact, John is like telling is being like, No, I don't know you. Like, yeah, so it's a little bit weird. Um, so it's like, What did he think? Because he does have to convince John to do it. It's not like he's trying to put one over on Hans for some reason because there's no benefit to putting one over on Hans. So I don't know. That's a very good question. It seems it seems kind of just random what he does. That's what I'm saying. Like it, the whole, the whole scene just seems unnecessary. Because you could have cut you, it. Doesn't really have any uh, effect except on for, except for the fact that Hans shoots him, and it's another reminder that Hans is like not messing around. Like he will actually yeah, kill you. Yeah, but it seems just like deleted. It seems like you could just delete it, and it would just be better because yeah, there's or, nothing or valuable. Or you could have slightly happening. tweaked it in a way where it was more clear. Like, but if I'm he is sure. just a doofus and he thinks he can negotiate his way out of this, don't, that's fine. Don't lie about it, yeah. But it makes it seem like he's actually trying to do something manipulative, but it's unclear what that is. I don't know. Like, him trying to protect John's wife is maybe a little too selfless for this character. Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of the problem is it, you know... Maybe this was a bad change. Like, maybe in the book that is what's happening. Mm -hmm. 
like maybe they were sleeping together or whatever the heck and like he's not really a doofus he's just some and they played it up in the movie a little too caricaturish mm-hmm. so you can't really buy that he would be doing that right that you know cuz they in the movie it's pretty overt that he's not trying to help the woman he's just trying to help himself that's fairly obvious from the what he says and the yeah. and the you know acting but the choices. thing of, of lying about yeah. Why John is there to make it, to make it like that he is the reason John is there is seem, the only reason I can think is because he's trying to deflect away from to, any suspicion to, from let's her. Let's get the book. I'll have to get the book. See if it's in there. Yeah. There might be some clues in the book as to what actually was supposed to happen there. But I agree that it, as it is, it seems like a totally superfluous scene. And in a movie that's two hours and 15 minutes long, you could have just gotten rid of it. Uh, there's not much point to it. Mm-hmm. And if you um, want to have him kill one of the hostages to up the, the up the stakes, there's like lots of ways you can do that. I do think having the scene work correctly would have been a bonus, though, because it is a scene during which you are n- afraid that he will tell him who right, his wife right. is. Right, right, because now n- so it's like— So there's some suspense there. Exactly. Like, it's that feeling of like, okay, at some point— Hans is going to figure this out that yeah. that she's his wife, right? Yeah. And and so because that's in your head, like yeah. I don't know, maybe we missed something. Movie club, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the movie club can explain what's going on here because I agree. I'm not sure. Let's see if anyone in the comments has a read on it that makes yeah. sense. But I agree with that. I've never noticed that. That's a good catch because I agree. I feel like it needs some explanation. It's not yeah, in the Yeah, I was film. just – I because I guess I was just a little confused there. I, I kind of thought one thing was happening and then it seemed like another thing was happening and I just – it was a little weird. I agree. I agree. Um, So anyway, I think that's – those are the only two things for me that were like kind of not quite right. I um, didn't care for the computer hacker, you know, because even the henchmen in this movie feel pretty, like, interesting a mm-hmm. lot of the times. And, like, this guy is, like, the only guy who they just did not have an idea for. Maybe because they're like, I don't know, those computer people are so weird yeah, yeah. or whatever. But, like, it's it just felt so uninteresting and out of place in this film. And also, I just don't care. Like... I agree that someone has to be there because they needed some various machinations to happen with the computer systems, but he should have just kind of been like a nameless dude like the just other people. Just another henchman of some kind. Who's yeah. just, you know, who's, you know, do it. same exact guy, just not so saying weird sports lines for no reason or whatever. It didn't add anything to the character. It was just distracting and hmm. odd. I didn't care for that. I actually don't. I don't um, know if I totally agree with you. Like... Yeah, he's not. He's probably not one of the better of the characters of the side characters. Uh, but I, yeah, it didn't really hit me like wrong or something. I just, I just found it really distracting because I'm like, okay, like it's just not interesting. Like, and he's got like weird like lines, like barks that come out of nowhere. Like the quarterback is something or whatever. Like mm-hmm. weird sports lines for like when they shoot the truck with a missile, and it just like. It kind of also deflates those scenes a bit because mm. I'm just like it's not tense when there's this guy just ra- yelling random nonsense. Okay, yeah. It could be that if he – so it may have been an acting choices problem. I'm willing to believe that. It could be that the screenwriters were thinking this guy was going to be like creepy or like evil. But he's like a very jovial kind of pleasant personality yeah. on screen. Yeah. He's like kind of a guy that would be oh, – I'd go hang out with that guy, right? And so as a result, those lines just come across as silly um, or just lighthearted and in earnest as opposed to like 
if they were going for like, oh, the lightheartedness is supposed to feel creepy, like that, dark that or he's something. so dismissive yeah. of it. And you could see that, you could see a performance where you would feel that way, but this was not that hmm. performance. So maybe it's an acting choices problem, I don't know. But for whatever reason, that character really didn't land for me, especially hmm. when everyone else is playing it very straight. Um you know, and and you've got Hans and you've got the cop and you've got John and they're all like pretty engaging. And then this is happening and it's like, eh. Yeah, yeah um, I can see that. Even I, the other henchman guy who's mad, like you said, he's like actually doing some acting. He like busts up the table because he's pissed off and he's like really intense the whole does time. Have, you know? like, it does have like they definitely – lighten it up like there's comedy in this They're, right they they keep it light the the limo driver would be a big one for that where they cut to him and it's, it's always kind of funny right so the limo driver remember i said i want to talk about the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Limo driver. the limo driver i think works great so like he is appropriately like yeah. silly in this movie because he's just some guy who was driving the limo doesn't know that the apartment building yeah. is like exploding around him until much later right he returns on the cb by the way just again to underscore how absolutely ridiculously meticulous the screenwriters were in this thing mm-hmm. they don't even let it leave it to chance <laughs> that there's a cb that this guy can listen on they say it on the drive. Yeah. Like, when he's there, they're like, we've got everything. CD player, CB radio. Like, he's like, list them so that it's like, no, we aren't pulling the wool over your eyes ever, right? Yeah. We're not pulling this yeah. or a rabbit out of a hat. It's like every last thing is set up before it comes into play always, right? Yep. But anyway, I thought he worked great for this. So... Cutting back to him talking to, like, maybe his girlfriend or some girl he's trying to hit on, right? I don't know, remember what it was, but he has some lines about, like, mm-hmm. you know, no, my boss thinks I'm going to Vegas. And he's got the music on loud yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. Those cuts were great. Yeah, and I think that the movie really knows how to balance the yeah. the dark. It, like, I think the comedy in this kind of movie is really important because it, the, it keeps things light. Yeah. Like, we don't want it to actually feel, like, really dark and stressful at any point, right? Yeah. Um, it's supposed to feel light, and uh, those scenes really help that. And, and it, like, I think it's a tough, I think it's a delicate balance, right? But in general, I think, yeah, it's like in in this sort of movie, that balance between light and dark, yeah. you know, the tone is like really, it's not easy, I think, to, to, to get quite right. And I feel like this movie does get it exactly right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm trying to think if there's any other particularly interesting things. I mean, there's some really great, uh, clever sort of turnarounds that they do in this. The part uh, which I think is you know pretty iconic, where uh, where Bruce Willis gets Alan Rickman gets a drop on Alan Rickman, uh-huh. and Alan Rickman just starts talking American accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right is absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's just like. It even gives it just the right amount of time so you can believe that Hans Gruber had to think really quickly. He doesn't do it right away. Yeah, he's he, like, he has a moment he's where like, he's like uh, oh, processing. Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah, right. And then he's like mm-hmm. trying to pretend like he's really scared. And you're like, the first time you see that, you're like, oh, that's brilliant because he's assuming that John doesn't know what he looks like, which if he hasn't seen a television, which he probably hasn't, because in those days there mm-hmm. wasn't going to be television. Like, there's not internet where you can just like. Nowadays, you'd expect he probably would find some kind of device, a computer or something, could have maybe looked right or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
there were no televisions on those floors, so he probably doesn't know what he yeah. looks like. So well, it's a and, good gambit, And there's right? like, that scene does so many flips on you where it's like, okay, now you think Hans Gruber has the upper hand. Yep. And then it turns out, it's just, it's like, it's a great scene. It's really good. Like, I said before, momentum for this movie, right? It's like, constantly, the situations are evolving and changing. Like, it's happened so quickly, and it just doesn't let up. And it's so engrossing, and uh, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any other things that I would mention about it. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think I've got anything else to say. It's just a great movie. Lots of good stuff. It's it's pretty much the the best you can do in an action movie, I think. Yeah. Because pretty much everything is working perfectly in the action, but in addition to that, everything is working perfectly with the characters, which yes. is so rare. So you're getting both. You don't have to. You don't have to. When you pay for your ticket, you get everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to choose. <laughs> you don't have to choose if you get good characters or good action or whatever. Yep, you yep. get it all. You get it all in your in your Christmas movie. Yep. I guess that's maybe what we should end on is the fact that like again, there's so many Christmas things in there. The setting is a Christmas party. Yeah. There is a giant Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. The climax of the movie involves the protagonist taping a gun to his back with Christmas wrapping tape that is there specifically because they had a Christmas party. Yes. Yep. The uh, the reason he probably is even able to come is because he's taking a vacation for Christmas to visit his family. There's Christmas music throughout. They say Merry Christmas multiple times. They have uh, the the whole reason the building is empty is because it's a Christmas party. Right. That's one of the few times there that there would a, be a bunch of there people was even like on a moment one floor. Where they were talking about turning off the power and he's like, Oh, you gotta turn off the whole this whole city block yeah. or whatever. And like, it's Christmas Eve, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, like little just throughout the whole movie, it's uh it's yes. there. So, um you know, <sighs> How, how what else what else do you want in a christmas movie what, what else it, do you want you know I, I i just don't know what to say the only thing i can assume is that again people are confused because they watch this movie and it's good so they assume it must <laughs> not be a christmas movie that's got to be it because normally christmas movies are basically like shovelware they're like well, we know that it's a Christmas movie, so people will freaking watch it because they are desperate for a Christmas movie. Well, I think the goal of a Christmas movie is you want people to watch it every year, right? Because you're like, make you get to make your money again every right, single right. year. Rentals on rentals, exactly. And whatever, yeah. Um, it makes you relevant, like rather rather than just one one off movie that gets forgotten. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of works. I mean, even bad bad movies end up being things oh, that people watch. It definitely every year. works. I mean, yeah. most Christmas movies are awful. I've what, a lot of Christmas movies I've seen, I'm just like, this movie is absolute garbage. Like, why? The, if it wasn't for the fact that there's like vaguely, you know, this like notion that mm-hmm. we should watch lots of Christmas movies every year for some reason, you'd never have this uh, be a thing. My understanding, limited understanding, and thankfully I've never been subjected to this, is that like there are entire channels like the Hallmark Channel <laughs> that just crank out like, you know, $700,000, we just get random people, no-name actors, and we shoot it in three days, Christmas uh, rom-com, mm-hmm. like a romance like shovelware yeah, yeah. or dramas. 
I think there are like hundreds of these. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's just like, there's an entire industry, you know, dedicated to pumping out Christmas crap that just goes on that channel in December <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah. And so I think that's what people think of when they think of Christmas movies. So they watch Die Hard and it's an amazing film. They're like, well, that can't be a Christmas movie because I know what a Christmas yeah. movie is. <laughs> it's this crap, right? It could be. Yeah. I mean, hard to say. But anyway, uh, I think it's a really strong start to December, our Christmas movies month. It's all downhill from here. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I do think so. Home Alone is on the list. So I think is our, it, so our schedule what is, is the schedule? our schedule is next week is going to be. Batman Returns, which is another I, I actually ah. have I haven't seen it. I think it was uh recommended by a movie club listener or something for a Christmas themed month. Because I, I I didn't even realize it was a Christmas. I mean, I think in the same way that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I'm assuming Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. Which, it is, is much it? less a Christmas movie than Die Hard. I mean, Die but, Hard has Christmas all true. throughout it. I it's think true. Batman Returns there it's just, just like is, takes place on Christmas, kind of around Christmas. There is a day of Christmas in it, I think. Okay. Uh, it is not like, like Die Hard is, it takes, takes entirely at Christmas, sure, right? Sure. It is. But we, we, know, yeah. we were trying to balance out in the movie yeah. club. Like, we don't want to just do one type of movie, right? right? right. Um, and then we have Klaus. Um, a very Christmas movie. A very Christmas movie. Uh, I think it'll be our first animated movie on the movie club. That's exciting. And then we end with Home Alone, so which is Home- a classic Christmas movie. Klaus and Home Alone are both very interesting. Batman Returns, I haven't seen in so long. I've never seen it. So. I, I want to say that I saw it in the theater and then never again. <laughs> well, um, well, it'll be interesting to, to watch and talk about on the movie club. So, uh, And then at the end of the month, since it's uh, we've got five weeks in December <clears> here, <throat> um, we're going to do another uh, Molly Movie Club watch party on Twitch, uh, which <clears throat> once it gets closer, we'll, uh, we'll start asking you guys what you might want to watch so if you would like to join us for any or all of that don't forget to sign up mollymovieclub.com and uh yeah the live streams are free as well yeah anybody anybody can join us for the live stream so if you want the update on that just sign up for the movie club mailing well just on mollymovieclub.com and sign up for it it'll it'll you'll get a mail that explains when that's going to be as soon as we know what the hour is like it's december 30th right uh, yeah, it's that so, Friday. Yeah. Um, and the the time will be almost long. New Year's. Almost, yeah. Um, Pre New Year's. That's right. We'll see if see you for that. Until then, have fun watching movies, everybody. Yeah, we'll see you next week with, for uh, Batman Returns. For Batman, for the return of Batman. That's right. All right. See you later. Bye.